Why is it that some people insist on defending terrorists? A few weeks ago, my wife and I watched a very interesting five-part British uh, series on Acorn TV called Injustice. It stars a barrister named Will Travers, played by James Purifoy, and he is a lawyer in London who insists that he must believe in the innocence of his clients or he won't defend them. In other words, if he gets the inkling that the person he's defending is lying or covering up the fact they actually did commit the crime, he in good conscience can't defend them. Now, the series takes a bunch of interesting twists, and I won't spoil the plot. It's actually quite good. It's a five-part series, and I highly recommend that you watch it. But the reason that I'm raising this today is I've come across a very curious phenomenon of late here in Canada, and I'm guessing elsewhere in the Western world, of individuals who want to bring back foreign terrorist fighters. They're sometimes called foreign fighters, but what they are really are are terrorists. In this case, it's normally people who decided that joining Islamic State or ISIS was a good idea back in 2014, 2015. Islamic State, of course, lost its caliphate in 2019, although the group itself is still carrying out thousands of attacks a year, according to Kurdish authorities, and has spawned very lethal provinces, as it calls them, in Africa, in Afghanistan, and other parts of the world. And as a consequence, a lot of these so-called foreign terrorists, some of whom were Canadian, Americans, Brits, Germans, French, Italians, I've seen estimates that upwards of 40,000 people left their country to join ISIS in the mid-2010s from over 100 countries. So there's lots of people out there. They didn't all do us a favor and die. Some of them survived. Some of them have been tried and executed in Iraqi and Syrian courts. Others are sitting in refugee camps. And there's been this movement of late to repatriate these people to our countries, including Canada, by a a bunch of people whom I I think have uh, very good intentions, but are woefully naive. More on that in a second. And there's especially a lot of concern about women and their children. So these are children who were brought to the Islamic State by their mothers and fathers or were born under the so-called caliphate to people who willingly, knowingly, decided that joining a terrorist group was a good idea. What this reminds me of is a phenomenon back in the 1930s onward, after the beginning of the Soviet Union, when there was a bunch of people in the West that really thought that this new system of governance, the so-called Soviet Union, was the cat's ass of societies. It was the perfect society. It was a worker society. It was socialism. It would push back against capitalism, against the rich, and humans had never come across a better system of organizing themselves into nations. The Soviets had an interesting name for these people. They called them useful idiots in the sense that they weren't very bright, according to the Soviets, and they were useful in pushing back against Western opposition to the Soviet Union and its allies and promoting the USSR and its way of life as ideal for the entire world. I'm not going to go as far to use that term to describe people who support this notion of repatriating our citizens who went to Iraq and Syria, may have taken part in heinous crimes, rapes, murders, throwing people off buildings, drowning people in cages, shooting people on the heads, engaging in slavery. We know that the Yazidis, who are an ancient people in Kurdistan, that Islamic State saw them as apostates, as pagans, as heathens killed the men and and older boys, enslaved the women, raped them, as well as girls as well, 
and then trained the younger boys to be the so-called lions of the caliphate, lion cubs of the caliphate, rather. Why in heaven's name do we, as Canada Canadians, or Americans, or Germans, or whatever, why do we want to repatriate these people? I know I certainly don't, and I don't know anybody else who does, especially those of us who worked in security intelligence or law enforcement over decades. There's a very strong argument to be made that these people should in fact be held in situ, i.e. in northern Iraq and Syria, or the self-styled Kurdistan, tried for their crimes where they were committed, and if necessary, sentenced and sent to prison. Now the argument goes, well, you know, Justin Trudeau said back in 2015, a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. We own these people. They're ours. We have a responsibility to the Iraqis and the Syrians and the Kurds to bring back our people and see if they face justice. Despite the fact that the only person that's come back so far that I'm aware of in Canada, it was a woman. She came back and she wasn't charged. She had what's called a peace bond placed against her, which is pretty, pretty small beans. In other words, we didn't have the evidence to actually lay a charge, bring her to court, find her guilty, and sentence her to a long time behind bars, which is what she deserves. The bottom line is the evidence, the witnesses, everything necessary for a successful prosecution exists over there. It doesn't exist here. And that's why the courts and the trials and the verdicts and the sentencing and the incarceration should be held over there. Now, I'm not the only person that thinks this way. I was reading an article recently in Deutsche Welle about how a former German prosecutor who is now heading the United Nations special team on so-called ISIS crimes, it's called UNITAD, the United Nations investigative team to promote accountability for crimes committed by Daesh, which is Arabic for which is Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, or Iraq and, and, the, and Shams, which is a term for the wider area. And uh, he says, and I quote, that he doesn't think that that country should repatriate their citizens. He says that they should be held, the trial should be held over there because of the, the problems I alluded to. The fact that the evidence is hard to get. The witnesses are hard to, to repatriate here. He wants the trials to be done. He says it'll be a long process. Look at what happened in Cambodia and Rwanda. But the fact is, we have to do this. We must do this. The victims are owed this. They deserve their day in court against the people from Islamic State who treated them so horrendously. He thinks they should be prosecuted in their, in their homelands. For example, prosecute Iraqis in Iraq. I happen to agree with him. I think that is the best place to do this. And I just it boggles my mind why people think these individuals who probably committed heinous crimes against men, women, and children should be brought back. Now, I'm not in favor of the revocation of citizenship like the UK has taken in the case of Shamima Begum. I don't believe that at all. But I also believe that a Canadian who makes a stupid decision abroad and commits an offense under another country's criminal code should face the music in that country. And it really, it's strange to me why it is that these same people, and some of whom claim they've been to the camps in Iraq and Syria, they've seen the conditions under which the women are children, they're horrendous, and they're just, they've talked to these women and they're all innocent apparently, they never did anything, they want to come home. It always wonder, it always, it makes me wonder, why is it we don't have an analogous group standing up for child molesters in Thailand? Lots of foreigners go to Southeast Asia to exploit children sexually. Where's the lobby group to bring them home? What about drug dealers in the Philippines or in Pakistan or in Afghanistan? Who's jumping at the bit trying to bring these people home? I don't, I don't see those groups out, out and active. And I do think that these individuals, I think their heart's in the right place, but their mind is elsewhere. They believe these people are innocent. And as somebody who worked in counterterrorism for a very long time, 
I too have interviewed terrorists, in this case convicted terrorists in jail, and they told me all kinds of stories. I had the advantage. I knew a lot of the intelligence that went towards their conviction, the evidence. These individuals who go to these camps in northern Iraq and Syria and Kurdistan take these people at their word, that they're telling the truth, that they made a mistake. They weren't involved in slavery. I, I am doing a podcast coming up with an, a UK former UK soldier who's done similar work in the camps in northern Iraq and Syria. He tells a very different story about what these people are up to. The bottom line is, whether or not these people are guilty, they deserve their day in court. And like the German prosecutor said, we have to help set up these international tribunals, maybe something analogous to the Nuremberg trials after World War II to try and convict uh, former Nazis. Let's do the same thing with ISIS as we did with Rwanda. Let's do it there. Let's not do it here. And can we please stop seeing articles in the paper and op-eds about these poor ISIS terrorists who are living in horrendous conditions? How about the conditions their victims lived under? How about the young Yazidi girls who were sexually exploited? How about the men that had a bullet in the back of their head? How about feeling sorry for those people at the same time? No, we do not bring them home. We have no obligation to do so, although some parent is a lawsuit by one of these victims to force the Canadian government to repatriate family. Go figure. They deserve to meet their punishment where their crimes were committed. Anyhow, that's what I think. What do you think about foreign fighters? Should we repatriate them? Should we bring them home to Canada for trial? Let me know what you think. You can reach me on email borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content and want more, go to the website borealisthreatenedrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You get a free daily digest of all the podcasts, all the blogs, as well as a link to my new book, The Peaceable Kingdom, The History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present, available on the website or on Amazon Kindle. Love to hear your feedback. I want to wish you all a very, very happy 2022. Hopefully a 2022 with a little less COVID. We'll talk again soon. Until then, stay safe.